Hi, good morning, great day. Coach Mike Cusson here, and I want to talk to you today about the 10 fundamentals of powerful persuasion. You know, there's a lot of people who have this huge fear of speaking in public, and I want to help you go through some of the ways today with these points that will help you break through some of those fears that you might be engaging in, whether mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And the most important thing is that we have to think about that persuasion in and of itself is not a manipulation, it's not a way to get people to do things that they don't want to do, it is a way to affect change in people and their decisions that they want to make to working with you. So I want to go through some of the 10 or so powerful points of persuasion and how it could affect your outcome both personally and professionally, while at the same time getting your prospects, your clients, anybody that you're speaking to, to engage with you at a much, much higher level. There's many ways to do this, and these are some of the more critical points. So let's talk about what impact do the great thought leaders, the great speakers that you see have in common. The first thing that they have in common is, number one, which is what we call belief. You must believe in what you're offering is important and that it'll have a major impact on people's lives. Keep in mind, guys, in order to affect others, you must first be affected yourself. You have to be engaged in the process and the feeling that what you're offering to people is going to make a major change or impact in people's lives. Very, very important. So what are some things that we must have in place? Well, the very first thing we have to have in place is our belief systems. So what are belief systems? Beliefs are nothing more than a feeling of certainty about something that you have going on. It is what is going on in your mind about a particular product, good, or service, or what you're trying to get people to understand about what you're trying to accomplish. Very important to have strong belief systems. So as great public speakers that you all are and will become, we want to make sure that we have in line some very, very strong belief systems. And those belief systems are very fundamental. Now there's many ways to do this. I'm going to talk about some uh, affirmations, ways that you can create powerful belief systems within the framework of this process around belief. The first one is, Say to yourself, I am powerful and effective and and people enjoy listening to me. I am powerful and effective and people enjoy listening to me. I am humorous. I am humorous. I enjoy persuading. I enjoy persuading. So these are just a few you can add to this list. As you, as you're at your leisure, just make sure that you do it in the present moment, and that you're concentrating on how this is going to impact you before you actually create a delivery of your uh, presentations at any level. And this is a way that you enhance and improve the value of what you're delivering by internalizing these belief systems. So that way, when you present. You're giving the best of you in that presentation as it impacts and affects other people. Very, very important. So first point is belief. Again, you must believe in what you're offering and what it and how important it is and how the type of impact and, and it's going to create a major impact on people's lives. Very, very important. Let's talk about the second critical area for people 
when they're presenting. And again, these are very, very powerful things. You may not recognize it, but they are powerful because most people get persuaded by this particular area more importantly than probably anything else next to beliefs. And that number two point is physiology. In other words, how do you use your body language? What is your body language saying to people? Do you own what you are selling? In other words, are you already bought in yourself? And your body language will tell a big story wrapped around that. So in terms of physiology, remember, a huge bulk, guys, of our communication is our physiology. It's how we posture our body, how we use our eyes, how we use our hands. How we connect with people with our physical body is equally important as the words that we use and the way we say that and say things. And so what we want to understand is when we're presenting to people, when we're giving a presentation to an audience or one-on-one or to a couple, whatever you might be doing at the time, remember that your body language speaks volumes about who you are and your passion and your belief about what you are actually selling. So let's talk about a couple of quick points here. A is utilize everything that you have. You can't do just one thing. You can't just be using your eyes. You can't just be using your hands. It can't be just using your posture. You've got to utilize everything as it relates to your physical body and how you utilize that is very, very critical, meaning that you want to make sure that you utilize everything. So you're nodding your head, you're using your hands together, you're looking at people in the eye and you're doing everything that you need to do in order to engage people at all levels using every part of your physiology. Next, when you're using your physiology, you must think that I own the stage. You have to own the stage. And owning the stage is really power when it comes to your presentations and your physical body, your physiology helps you to better uh, utilize that area of your stage. So if you're sitting at a table giving a presentation, it could be a dining room table, it could be a living room table, it could be across from them at a, at a conference room. Whatever the case is, you own the stage with your, with your physiology and how you move and how you react inside of that is very, very important. Point number C is we want to think the more you move, the more you impact people. The more you move, the more you impact people. If you're sitting there or standing, depending upon the situation for which you're using these points, if you're just not really moving and you're very rigid about your delivery in terms of you're making your presentation, then you're not going to get the impact that you need from people. People want to know that you can move around. They want to feel that because that energy that you're moving with your physiology creates an impact on people to the degree that they're going to listen more and they're going to want to learn more from you based on what you're talking about, whether you're teaching a class or persuading a customer to sign a contract, to list their home, Whatever the case might be, you have to move your body. Keep it moving at all times. So let's talk about some rules, which is my next point here, is the rules of physiology. One, you have to be resourceful. 
You must be resourceful in this whole process. You can't just can't just be stuck in one place. If something is not working for you, or you're in a part of a room or a part of an area that doesn't feel comfortable, it's not going to allow you to to engage with your physiology to the very uh, fullest that you need to be. You've got to be resourceful. You've got to be relaxed and enjoyable. Okay, relaxed and enjoyable. You don't want to, yes, use your posture, but you don't want to sit up and be in people's fo- uh, faces. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is be relaxed and think about being enjoyable with your body language. You must be flexible. You must be flexible. Keep in mind that our that the parties that we are presenting to have their own dynamic, how they might be using their own physiology. And our flexibility must connect with that as much as we'd like it to connect with us, we have to do the same for other people. So flexibility in our physiology is very, very important. If you're in a situation where you can't do a lot of moving around, well, you've got to think about what can I do to be flexible here in this, in this environment so I can have better control of my presence and my presentation. Number four, Ideally, you want to be dramatic and you want to be as humorous as you can. Listen, I know we're not all comedians, and if you're not, don't don't attempt to be a person who's going to start telling jokes because I mentioned to be humorous. Listen, humor doesn't have to be wrapped around jokes. It just has to be wrapped around having some fun with what you're doing. A nice, good smile. If somebody tells a joke and you don't even think it's funny, laugh at it, okay? You don't want to be a phony, but at the end of the day, just be humorous. Have fun. Be able, being able to laugh at yourself is also a very important way and very helpful way to be humorous. So those rules of physiology, again, be resourceful, be relaxed, be enjoyable, be flexible, be dramatic and humorous when you're giving your presentations and when you're using your physiology. Point number three is know your outcome. Guys, the unconscious will produce if you keep reminding yourself of your outcome. And here's an important point I want to say about outcome. When you walk into a presentation, you must know what your outcome is. What do you want to accomplish as a result of you giving a presentation? What is it that you want to come out of there with? Is that to help people, to educate people, to inform people, to get a contract signed, or all of those points that we would look to have happen, all right? So our unconscious, the way we have this set up is we have to have it in our unconscious mind of what our outcome is. But I want you to write down a very important point here, and is that obviously we want to have a particular outcome. Let's assume for a moment we're walking into a presentation, and our outcome is to get the contract signed. We want people to engage with us, right? So what we want to make sure is that we have that in mind, while at the same time we can't, and you're going to laugh at me, you don't want to be attached to the outcome. You don't want to be attached to the outcome. The challenge with being attached to an outcome that you've established in your unconscious mind, of course you want to win the deal. You want to get that contract signed without question. But we can't be attached to it in our mindset that says, well, I wonder if they're not going to sign. That's being attached to it. Oh, boy, I I know if they sign this contract, I'm going to be able to sell this property. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be paying off all my debts. Or I'm going to be taking that trip of my dreams. Whatever it is, that's being attached to the outcome. The problem with being attached to an outcome is you focus so much on that outcome that you forget why you're there. 
and that is to impact people and to answer questions and to listen carefully and respond accordingly, to give them information that's going to educate them and help them along in their particular goals, wants, and desires, so that way you can keep the ball rolling. So don't get caught up in being attached to the outcome. Know what your outcome is, but don't be attached to it. Listen, if you get it, beautiful. If you don't get it, beautiful. you got to move on. You want to be focused on the intention of what you're trying to accomplish during your presentation with the outcome of getting whatever you want out of that, which in our discussion here is to get a contract signed. Make sense? I hope so. Next point about the persuasion process here is your ability to build number four, which is your ability to build rapport with people. And the best way to build rapport with people is to, is to mirror and match who they are. And that starts with really caring, which is my point A here, caring about your audience. Do you care about the outcome for your client? Do you care about what they want to achieve? Do you care about their goals, their objectives, their missions? What do they want in their life? And that's a great way to build rapport. And people want to know that you care about them. So care about your audience. It allows you to build a stronger bond with them, creating a better rapport with them. How do we rapport with people? A couple of quick points. is to obviously mirror and match how they speak, how they act, in, in, in what they do. So it's important to keep in mind that rapport can be built physically, it can be built with words, it can be built with tonality. And what we want to keep in mind is we have to pace this process. So like me, as an example, I'm a driver type of style. My personality is fast moving and I'm pretty bottom line about a lot of different things and you can probably hear it in my tonality. So at the end of the day, i got to be very careful when I'm talking to a person on the other side of the table or in my audiences who are more of the amiable type or the more analytical type individuals. The expressives we can get along with to a certain degree, but I can't overwhelm them at all. So what we want to make sure that we do is first we've got to get in rapport with people. In other words, people want we, we can get people to listen to us by us first listening to them and responding the way they are. So if somebody speaks slowly and you speak fast, your goal is to obviously speak much slower. If they speak fast and you're laid back, you better pick it up because you're going to lose that individual. So you got to be careful in how you do this because you'll lose total rapport with people. Yeah, sure, they might listen to you and they might say, oh, this sounds fantastic, but they're, for the most part, not going to buy with you because there's no connection there. They don't feel it. So we have to, what the next point is, we have to pace our audience and you have to start where they are. Write that down. You have to start where they are. Who are they? And I want you to write this in as well. People like people who are like them. People like people who are like them. Once you get them connected and, and during this process of pacing your group and your audience and your, and your people that you're presenting to, then you can start leading them to where you want them to be. Again, guys, listen, at the end of the day, once you start connecting with people, You might have a family member right now that you have tremendous rapport with, but they're not your style. They're not your personality. They're totally different from you, but you guys get along, right? 
I'm sure that's the case in most of the most instances. That's where it's at. And what ends up happening is there's a very, very huge chance that because of the way you guys have a certain rapport, that even though you're not like them in your personality or your style, that you guys are going where each other wants to go. They want to go to the mall. You're going to go along with them. You want to go to the to go uh, to eat something. They're going to want to go along with you. So this is what we call leading them to where you want to be. Again, once you get people committed to understanding that you care about them, that you're in rapport with them, that you are like them, then you can lead them down to any path that you want. So as an example, I might start out very fat, uh, uh, with rapporting with somebody who speaks, let's say, as an amiable style personality, and they're not as aggressive or boisterous as I might be, and then I start out very calmly with them and cajoling the conversation and working my way through the whole process with a series of questions and, and my responses very light-handedly, let's say, for the purposes of this recording. Over time, they're going to start opening up more and more to me. And pretty soon, once I get that rapport connected, then I can begin to speed up to where I am. I can't be overwhelming, but I can certainly take it up a couple of notches to get them really committed. Because now, once they're in rapport with me, I want to get them excited about what I'm trying to sell them. So it's very, very important that you, again, understand this, caring about your people, building this rapport with them, start where they are first, and then lead them to where you want them to be with your own style. Hope that makes sense. Point number five is the manipulation of your audience. That's what they're paying you for. Listen, a lot of people will say, well, Mike, manipulation, that's a spooky word. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to manipulate people. Listen, folks, people... You're not going to manipulate people if your product, service, whatever you're doing brings them value. It's impossible to manipulate people. People are going to ultimately make their own decisions based on the information provided and their own personal motivation. It's not going to be you're not going to trick them into doing something that 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 doesn't make sense to them. They're going to make the decision on their own ultimately. And so how do we manipulate our audience to get them to where we get them signed up on the paperwork to get the contract signed so we can help them achieve their particular outcome. Okay, Again, I want to reiterate this. This is not about bad manipulation. We're not going to manipulate them to do something that they would not otherwise do. It's not fair, and I wouldn't recommend that at all. But let's talk about how we can effectively and congruently and responsibly manipulate people and your audience, so they pay you for what you're there to help them achieve. The first point is, letter A, is ask questions. Asking questions causes people to respond, and those responses allow you to continue to ask more questions of them, and you're listening and you're responding to that. So ask a lot of questions of your audience. Break their patterns and break their thoughts. A lot of times people want what they want. And they walk in and they have no idea what you're going to be presenting. And oftentimes, we have to break their certain patterns that are already in place for them. So we have to break their patterns. We have to break their thoughts. And how we do that is obviously the 
point before this, which was and all of these points combined, quite honestly. But rapport is where we're going to help break some patterns about particular people, and we're going to pace them down the process here. At the end of the day, we want to break certain patterns, and we want to get them into a place where what are your what are their thoughts about, and he, and that leads back to asking questions. And once we better understand. Uh, the once we ask questions, we get to better understand these people, then we're going to be able to interrupt their patterns about what they want as an outcome. Again, we ultimately have to educate people based on the product and services that we have to fulfill a particular goal or outcome that they want. So oftentimes we do have to break their patterns, their perceptions, how they think about us as individuals. Let's say you're in the real estate business and people have a certain perception about real estate agents. And their pers- their thoughts, their patterns are very much ingrained. They have just a way of thinking. So by asking questions, responding to them accordingly, you're going to ultimately break those thoughts and really get them into buying the value of what you are personally delivering, not everybody else as it affects their mindset. Next point here in terms of manipulating your audience is being totally associated to what you're talking about will get the audience associated. I often see agents or sales presenters, speakers, who are not at all, at all, by any stretch of the imagination, associated with what they're doing. Meaning that they're not totally committed and they're not really passionate about what they're doing. How do you think the audience is going to be responding to that? That's right, not too glorious. They're not going to be, oh, I'm so excited to be around this person because they don't believe in what they're doing, (laughs) okay? Which is the point I want to make here. You've got to believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing. You've got to believe wholeheartedly in the impact that it's going to make, as I said on point number one, in what it's going to do to change people's lives to help them achieve a particular goal or outcome. You've got to be totally associated to that process. And once you're associated... You don't have to be very fancy about statistics and a bunch of numbers and how fantastic your company is and and all of these other things that we think are going to fulfill the mindset of these clients that they're going to want to do business with you. People want to know that you are committed to what you're doing. They want to know that you're fully associated to what you're selling, that you're very, very connected to what you're doing. And once you're doing that, once your enthusiasm is bubbling up and it's coming through the ceiling, you're going to find out that people will get associated with you and they want to do business with people like you. Okay. The next point about uh, manipulation of your audience is build pressure and releasing it causes impact. And how we might do this could happen in the areas of causing or creating pain. You know, some people, they need to make a decision to do something. As an example, they want to move to a particular area. and They need to be there. They need to be there in a specific time. And a lot of times, they don't want to make a decision because they're very attached to what they are currently doing. They, they know logically they have to make a decision. But at the end of the day, they're not really committed to making a change because it's very uncomfortable. For all of us, any type of change is very uncomfortable. So sometimes, often, we have to build pressure around that to get them to make a decision. And we have to sometimes go to where we don't often like to go, but it's important. And why is it important? Because people must make a decision about why they're doing what they're doing. If they must move... 
and they're contemplating, well, I want to list a house at a higher price as an example, and you know in your mind logically, if we list it high, they're not going to sell it in the time that they need in order to get them where they want to go. And thus, we have to talk to them and say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you do understand by overpricing the property, you're not going to get to where you want to go in the time that you want. You do understand that pressure. And they got to say, well, I guess I understand that. Or you might say, you do understand by overpricing the property that it could cause your house not to sell. Thus, if you do make the move and you do move out of the house, you potentially will have a vacant house and you'll be carrying two mortgages. Question, did you want to carry two mortgages or did you want to be happy with just one? That's pressure and then it causes impact because now you're going to move to the next point, which is releasing it. Listen, why don't we price it right, releasing the pressure, and that's going to cause it to sell and get you moved without having the pressure of carrying two mortgages. Does that make sense? And nine times out of ten, simply by saying it that way, you're building the pressure if you don't do it, and then you relieve the pressure by saying, here's a solution to that dilemma in your mindset. Okay? So we want to get them to reality, and we're going to be honest about that with them. And this building of pressure and releasing causes a tremendous impact in them making a decision much faster and much easier. And there's no, this is not trickery. This is just human motivation, getting them to make a decision about what they want to do. So we got to understand the, a point here, and I want to say it, and I have it written here if you're reading along with me, is people want pressure. They need to be pushed. They don't need to be shoved. That's a big difference. They need to be pushed. They want the pressure. And frankly, it excites them. It gets them excited that somebody's finally being upfront. Somebody's finally being honest with them. Because you're not being dishonest with them by telling them that their house is overpriced and it's not going to work out for them if they don't sell. They want to know that you're on their side. And that excites them because now they finally got somebody who's telling them the truth rather than what they want to hear. Okay? Because if you ask a seller, what would you prefer me to do? Tell me, tell you what you want to hear or did you want me to tell you the truth? And this is important as it wraps around this area of manipulation. Then we move on to point number six here. Behavior flexibility. All great persuaders, all great salespeople, salespeople have behavior flexibility. Listen, if you're trying something that doesn't work, then try something else. If you're trying something that does not work, then try something else. You have to sometimes change your pattern of what you're doing. If you're talking about price, then talk about the pain of not getting to where you want to go quicker. Okay, sometimes we get so focused on, well, if we overprice it and we talk about the market, we start comparing statistics, people already know the statistics because you already presented them to them. So what we want to do, if you're trying that, it doesn't work based on statistics, then we've got to move down to the more emotional side, which is the price that they're going to pay for not doing something. Again, that goes back to the previous point on building pressure and releasing it. So behavior flexibility is very, very powerful. Again, I often see many great, many people who have great potential, but they miss out on this one thing because they're rigid in how they present. Don't be so rigid. 
doesn't mean you change your presentation. You just have to know how to be flexible within your presentation to make it work to enable, to enable you to get a contract signed and help the client again win the outcome for themselves. Number B, or letter B here in behavior flexibility, is be flexible in the delivery and using your emotions. Again, there's ways that we can manipulate people in this whole process, and a lot of times we're, again, down a particular path or road because that's who we are. That's not being flexible with other people. So we have to be, our delivery uh, of our information must connect with what I like to call the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic type individuals. Okay, so mo- a lot of people are visuals, a lot of people are auditories, and a lot of people are kinesthetic. So people who are visuals, they might use words like, I see what you're saying. Okay, I can't picture myself in this house. Or they might act like an auditory. Mike, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't quite get it. Okay, Or they might be more kinesthetic, which is more on the feeling side. You know, I just don't feel it, man. It's just not working for me. I don't quite get it. All right. So when we're presenting and we and we learn this, and as you do more of these presentations and you apply these principles, by asking a lot of questions and getting people to talk a lot more than you do, okay, you're going to notice who is the visual, who is the auditory, and who's the kinesthetic type person. Then you can start to present to them in a way that meets those particular areas. The more visual, you know, Bill, I can see you and Nancy here in this house. Bob, I understand. I hear you, man. I get what you're saying. Mary, I understand how you feel. Others that I've worked with before have felt the same way. And here's what we have found. Visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Next point about behavior flexibility is don't is 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 to do excuse me is to do the unexpected. Mr. Jones, there's three things that are going to happen here tonight. One, you're going to decide to work with me. Two, you're going to decide not to work with me and three, I might decide not to work with you at all. That's the unexpected right there. I might decide not to work with you. You see everybody's on the assumption that when we walk into a presentation that we want to have that contract signed. Of course we do. That's our goal. That's our outcome. That's how we make a living without question. But because we're not attached, because you listened to what I said or you engaged with what I said, I hope you did, that you're not attached to them saying yes. So being detached creates flexibility when the perception is, oh, they want to just come in here and list my house and they think they're going to get me to sign a piece of paper tonight. Ain't happening. Well, give them the unexpected. Mr. Jones, don't be under pressure here to think that I'm going to take your listing. They're going to say, what are you talking about? Mr. Jones, I don't often take a lot of listings because we just can't connect for some way, shape, or form. Therefore, it's okay. Let's go through our presentation and let's see what makes sense to both of us. Sound fair? Let's create a win-win here. And guys, 100% of the time, they're going to say no problem because of that. That's behavior flexibility. Last few points here is challenge your audience. Okay, challenge your audience. Put them into the future. Point A here is set up what we call pre-frames. What does this mean? What will it do for you? And pre-frames are just basically future pacing them or putting them into a place. What does this mean to you? 
as far as your needs, wants, and desires are concerned. That's why it's very, very important, guys, that we ask questions of people to understand where they are coming from, what their motivation is, what's wrapped around their decision-making process, why it's important to them. Because you can't do the pre-frames here with people without understanding a lot of these things. And that's simply just asking the questions, the who, the what, the where, the why, the how. And once we understand where people are going to, then we could use these pre-frames when it comes to challenging people to make a decision and, and to persuade them to be the ones that are going to sign the contract. What does this mean to you? What will it do for you? B, ask challenging questions. People respond to challenges. Okay, Mr. Jones, listen, I'm going to challenge this with you. I'm going to say the word challenge with them. I want to create a, I want to create a challenge here. Listen, will you, first question I have for you, based on everything we said here, do you feel comfortable confident that I could sell your property? And they say, well, yeah, Mike, great, perfect. Let's put up a challenge together, okay? Listen, I'm going to go along with listing the property at the price that you want. Again, guys, off record, in brackets, quote, unquote, it's got to be reasonable, okay? I'm going to go back to my script now with my client. Mr. Jones, let's, let's have a challenge here. If I agree to listing the house at the price that you want, will you sign the contract right now? Great. So I want to create a challenge. And that challenge is, Mr. Jones, and I want to go along, I want you to go along with me. That is, let's put it on the market. Let's take it around the block for a week or 10 days, whatever you can come up with there, whatever you want to work with. But let's say 10 days, and let's see what kind of activity we get. If we feel that we're getting activity, then we're going to keep it where it's at for a little bit more, for a bit, little bit longer time. But here's the challenge, Mr. Seller. If we don't get the activity that I thought we would based on the price that you're going to put on the property, will you commit to me that we can adjust the price downward in a couple of weeks? Yes, I will. Fantastic. That's the challenge. So people respond to challenges. It's okay. It's not a confrontation. You're not confronting them. You're just speaking reality because the reality is it's only worth so much and they want so much more than that reality. So be cool with giving people some challenges. Okay. Next is make direct challenges to individuals. Okay. You might be talking with a husband and a wife or partners, whatever the case is. And you want to make, and somebody's in agreement with you, but somebody is not. And in this case, using the same example here, Mary says, no, Bill, we need to sell the house and we need to price it at what Mike says because we're not going to get to Palm Beach in the time that we need to. And I don't want to be carrying two mortgages. And we got the kids in private school now and we got the new job and I don't want to take the risk and blah, blah. She's already in agreement with you. And the husband is fighting you on price because he wants more money because, well, he just wants more money. <laughs> okay. For whatever reason, that's his personal desire. So I'm not going to look to both of them. I've already got Marie, uh, Mary on my side. She's already committed to making a decision. It's Bob, her husband, who is not committed to the process at this juncture. So I'm going to look at him directly, okay? But I'm going to keep my eyes on her a little bit, but I don't want to get there right now in this particular presentation that I'm giving you guys right now. What I want to make sure that I do is to understand that I want to make direct challenges to to the to an individual when I need to. 
I'm going to look at Bob in the eye. I'm going to use my gestures. I'm going to not point at him because I don't want to. I don't like pointing at people. What I'm going to use is my body language, my head. I'm going to nod at him with my eyes directly at him. I'm going to have eye contact and ask those questions directly of him. I'm not going to say, Mary and Bob, do you feel that if we price the property that we're not going to, at, a, at the high price that you want, that we're not going to sell? I'm not going to go directly because one person has already been committed to understanding where I'm coming from. One person is not. So I want to direct my attention to that individual. I hope that makes sense. Then we move on to... This point, next point under these challenges in your audience is do you have the guts? Listen, guys, a lot of times we whimper in what we do. We just don't want to tell people what we think because we don't want to interrupt that pattern. We feel that if we do that, we're not being the, 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 the personable salesperson, the person who loves people. Guys, listen, you've got to have guts. You've got to be able to put it on the table, tell people the truth, be honest with them at the risk of you not getting what you want, which is that contract signed. And listen, if it doesn't happen, it just wasn't meant to be. I hate to say it that way, but that's the truth. However, if you do all of these other things as you line this process out, there's going to be a higher chance you're going to get a contract signed. And sometimes we just have to have the guts to be honest with people. Mr. Jones, I don't like to tell you this, but i got to be honest with you. You're making the wrong decision. And you smile and you don't say anything beyond that. And they say, what do you mean, Mike? You want to move and you're being unrealistic about what you need to do here. Listen, you do what you want. I'm just telling you the truth. And it might hurt me. You might not want to do business with me ever again. You might want to kick me out of here because I told you that. And I hope that's not the case. But if it is, it's okay. At least I walk out of here tonight knowing that I told you the truth. Guys, it takes guts to do that. All right? But it doesn't have to be heart-wrenching for you to even think what I just did is going to radically freak people out and even yourself. Once you start doing this and you do it enough, and you have the guts to tell people the truth and be honest with them and, and get them to, to make a decision, guys, listen, you're making the right decision. Let's price it at this price and sign the contract so I can get to work. The longer I sit here, the longer it takes to get your household. You want your household, don't you? Yes. Fantastic. Get me to work, and let's go do it now. It takes a lot of guts to, just to say that. Just very simple and very direct. So... A lot of that piece right there, guys, having this, having the guts comes with your ability to be versatile. And if you listen to some of these recordings back on my realprofitbuilders.com uh, uh, website, my podcast of, on personality styles, you'll get that. And it really becomes wrapped around versatility, and that is your versatility to be able to work with that. Okay, let's move through this, and then we'll wrap this up. Energy, next point, which we're on number eight now, if you're taking notes, if not, you're following along. Either way, you're going to figure this out. Energy, you know what? Pure physical energy is attractive in our culture. Okay, A, B, power, charisma, and even sexuality is energy. Okay, and I don't mean sexuality in a bad way, I mean in a good way, because people are persuaded by this, this charisma, this power that we entrust with people. Pure physical energy, again, body language, physiology, a lot different, but the same, a lot different, but the same. So pure physical energy 
is attractive in our life. If you're a slow walker, speed it up. Okay. If you are, if you want to present posture and present power, sit up and work in that area. So energy is everything, as I like to say. And then the last couple of points here. Utilization. Whatever happens, which is point number nine, utilization. Whatever happens in the environment, find a way to use it to support your outcome. Okay? How can I use the dog barking and biting at my ankle? How can I use the cat that I'm allergic to walking across the table while I'm making a presentation? Okay? How can you use this to your advantage? Is kind of where it comes from. Okay? So whatever happens in the environment, find a way to use it and to support your outcome. I can tell you there's been many, many times where I've walked into a room as a public speaker and being uh, and presenting to a group of people, and what we thought was prepared wasn't not ready at all. Okay, I've gone into into audiences and I was I was I was looking for support from the leadership of the company, and we they said, oh yeah, Mike, I'm going to support you and come on into my meeting and talk to my salespeople, and I'm going to be there and I'm going to support you and pat you on the back and really give everybody encouragement to take your ideas to the next level so they can become really successful. I go great, fantastic, I love it. I got a person on my side. I get to the meeting. What do you think happens? That's right. They don't show up. They don't participate. The speed of the leader in looking at their gang is the same thing. All right? So I have to adjust according to that particular challenge that I'm faced with. So my environment all of a sudden shifted. Okay? Not the physical environment necessarily, but the emotional environment because it really is taking into two accounts. Okay, you might be prepared to go give a presentation at a home and you walk in and the people are sitting there. I have a client who told me this a while back. They went into a presentation and they had to stand up to give to the presentation to give the presentation while the couple actually sat down on only two chairs that were in the whole house. So she had to stand up giving the presentation, which in the perception of the seller was overruling and overpowering to them. And they never made a decision, at least at that point. They may have later on, but ultimately it was a challenge for my client. And that's very natural sometimes for those things to happen. It is a very uncomfortable situation. I don't want to be presenting to people who are sitting down while I'm standing up. I want us to all sit down. I want us to all sit, uh, uh, sit down or I want us to all be standing up at the same time. Okay, so we just have to use it to our advantage and we have to figure out how to make that happen and you'll find a way to support your outcome. And then the last point here, guys, is to have fun. You know, don't take this so seriously. There's a lot of powerful points here. I know you get that. And there's a lot of things that you can do here. But chunk them down step by step, piece by piece, presentation by presentation and understand and understand that this takes work to figure out. But don't get caught up in the overwhelm of all of these things. Go through these points one by one. And when you have fun with what you do, that's probably the bigger basis for the belief in what you do. You have to have the ability to have fun with this. And that comes down to, if, you're not, if you think that you're going to be perfect... You know, I go with these recordings, and my goal is to do the very, very best I can. You know, I was talking to one of my clients today, and he says, Mike, you, when you talk, you're better being on point than you do on going down these rabbit holes that you go down. And he's right, exactly, okay? But you know what? I know I'm not perfect. 
I know that my goal is to help impact you guys and hopefully share some ideas that you go out there and use one or two of them. It's going to radically change the way you live, the way you make money, how you feel about yourself and all of those things. And I want to do a lot more. And I know that sometimes my recordings aren't that perfect. But you know what? I have a hell of a lot of fun doing this. might not be perfect, but I'm going to do all I can to make sure that I'm having fun with what I'm doing. And I expect you to do the same. Go out there, have some fun with these points. There's additional things that I would give you here. And there's just some very, very quick, boom, tips. And there's more if you scroll down on this document. There's four pages here you should have in front of you anyway. But here's some quick tips. Cut out the internal, internal dialogue. I actually have a recording on that. Get around, get out of the prejudging of situations and get into learning more and asking a lot more questions. Cut out the internal dialogue, meaning that you're not going to be the best presenter. Oh my gosh, if I screw up, what are they going to think about me? All of that crap that goes on in your mind. Get out of it. It will decrease your effectiveness and it begins your, now you're starting to focus on the outside versus what's going on inside and be, can be concerned that this internal dialogue could really blow you away. So get out of your internal dialogue. Be into the person and focus on them. What's their problem and what can you offer as a solution to their particular problem? Next is stay fully associated with what you're talking about. Don't go down the rabbit holes, as Scott was telling me. Don't go down those rabbit holes because it could distract the client from making a decision. So we got to be very, very careful. I've done that many times, very unconsciously, and I don't like to do it, and I, and I know it when I do it. When you start getting what I'm saying here, you have a path to run on. Stay on the track of your presentation and stay with it. Once you go down a different path along that presentation, and where that will occur is a lot of times when you're allowing the audience to manipulate you in what you're doing. They don't have any idea what you're going to be saying. However... The goal here is for you to go in and let them know, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to say, and then you say it, and you keep on track with it. If they throw you off, pull yourself back in, and then continue down the road. And the last point is get the pressure in your body and pour it onto your audience. Get yourself revved up before you go into a presentation. Energy will come back to you. Give it out to people. Don't go in there. Don't be over-overwhelming with people who aren't like that, but give them more than what they're used to and people will understand that people will i remember my dad who was sick he's frail his body but his mind was sharp as a tack and you know what i'd walk in and you know what he always used to tell me man i love your energy mike i love your energy it's great i wish i could catch up with you and i tell you it didn't matter to him what mattered to him was that i was being myself and he got that and he understood that and it's cool when you can do that with other people so be okay with revving up the pressure in your body and pouring it into your audience. Get yourself fully prepared and energized for your presentations and go back through these bullet points. Go through the rest of this document. I wish you the very, very best in all that you do. If you have any questions about this and you want to talk about it at a very deeper, much deeper level because there's a lot more to it than just this, but this is enough to really take you to the next level, reach out to me, Mike at MikeHusson.com. And, and, and write down some thoughts and questions about this. If you have a question on anything, please leave your comments. Like this. Love it. Listen to this recording again and again and again. And you can also increase the speed on it while you're listening to it and take it to the next level for yourself. Thank you very much for your time. Go through this information. Got any questions? 
Feel free to reach out. Pay this forward. Make it a great day. Talk to you soon.